welcome to episode 38 of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley and I'm joined by my good friend and often counsellor, Stu. How are you doing, Stu? Uh, I'm okay. Tell me how that makes you feel, bro. <laughs> it, it makes me feel jealous and angry that you're okay, Stu. Jealous and angry. <laughs> um, before we get started on the games and stuff, and I, I don't want to drag on it for too long or at all, really, later in the podcast, um, so I'm going to get it out now. And if you are adverse to swearing, please do turn it down. You've got two seconds to turn your sound down. Fuck the Tories. Fuck them right in the ear hole. They are utter, utter scum. Children should be fed at all times and shouldn't be made to go without just because of political point scoring, you fucking scum lords. Um, anything to add to you? Well, I mean, I don't know how you expect them to feed children and make a profit, Brad. That's just crazy. <laughs> It is. But, it's but, it's ridiculous. It's but yeah, I wanted to get it out of the way because yeah, no, it's it's just put me in a massive depression over how human beings can be that way, and I don't want to just spend another episode just going on political rants and how that ends in depression because we know how that is. But yeah, it's got me on a downer. I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, I understand. I feel exactly the same way. But so obviously a nice then. Right turn. What have you been playing, Stu? Well, I've actually not been playing a great deal. I've just not been in the mood for the last three or four days. I've just not been able to concentrate to sit down to it, and I've been just endlessly circling the things I enjoy on the internet, which is a really crap way of of spending time. And it's a it's it's a real what's the word? It's um a dangerous sort of spiral to get into. I think it's not good for your mental yeah. health. And I think it just represents how poor my mental health is at the moment. I mean, I don't think I'm depressed. I, it's always very difficult to tell whether you are or you aren't. And it's good to have somebody outside who can say whether you're exhibiting symptoms of it. Um, yeah. I'm, but uh, I know that one of them is, you know, can be if you're not enjoying the things that you generally enjoy. If you're finding no joy in those, that can be a sign that you're in in a uh, in depression at that point in time. Um I kind of am still enjoying games, but I'm just kind of... I am withdrawing a little bit. I do think it's in reaction to the world rather than it being, you know, a, a depression thing. But I could be wrong. So I've got a, an open mind on it, let's say. But that has impacted what I've been playing. But I, before I, everything sort of was like... I was like, ugh, can't be asked. I was playing Doom Eternal on a big screen as opposed to a small one, which we were talking about last week. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a funny one. What a strange thing to do. So, there's a couple of precedents for it. I think the biggest and most obvious one is Resident Evil 4, where they, even bigger than what they've done with Doom Eternal, where they've taken a game and you think it's one thing and they make it into something else and it's equally as good but completely different and it really does divide a fan base it didn't so much with Resident Evil 4 because it just happened to be the best game ever made at that time <laughs> I think it's been yeah. superseded but I think at the time I think it is the it's probably it's definitely the best action game ever made probably still to this day um, and you know it did it themselves with Doom 3 they 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 made Doom 1 and there's Doom 2 which is really only a 
a DLC pack. It came out 10 months after Doom 1, and it's basically the same, but with a load of extras added uh, to the same engine. So it's basically like, you know, I mean, people argue it to the end of time, but basically it's just an add-on. Yeah. So really, you went from one Doom to Doom, you know, Doom 1 and Doom 2, which are the same, to Doom 3, which is completely different. And then they brought out Doom 2016, which is a mashup of the the Doom enemies and the verticality of Quake. And even the sort of, sort of aesthetic is very Quake. It's more kind of techno-industrial monsters than it is, you know, Demons of the Deep Doom. Um, and then we get Doom Eternal. And Doom Eternal is pure heavy metal album cover stylings. It's not an FPS as much as it is a, a, a first-person adventure. So it's much more like Metroid Prime than it is like Doom 2016. And it's a resource balancing act as well. So it's incredibly different from the thing that absolutely shook apart the industry and made them hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> So it's completely bizarre to see them have made such a different different game. Now, the question is, do I like it? And the answer is yes, I do. Uh, it takes a long time for anyone to like this game, I would say, unless you're somebody who just happens to click with it early on. But it took me about three hours, about two or three hours, because, for a very simple reason, it, it the whole game depends on you doing this resource allocation thing, and you don't get all the tools to do that for several hours. So the, the first, the, the entry game is abysmal. So the first hour is poor, like properly a poor game. Yeah. To, to, the, to the level where if it was like that all the way through, you just wouldn't play it. But after it introduces all the systems and then you can use them all in, in uh, harmony with one another, it becomes the game it should be. Uh, I think if it was new off the block if it didn't have the the name behind it if it didn't have all these advantages it would have just died on the vine totally i think uh, and if it wasn't for game pass i probably wouldn't even have bothered buying it or not until it was like three quid six years down the line so it's a yeah it's very strange but once you get into it it's really good yeah, no, Doom Eternal for me is a it's a, it's an interesting one because I like you. I don't think I like the opening at all, um, and it also tried to add too much story to it, um, which I don't care about in a Doom game. Yeah, uh, but I think that's where three went wrong. Um, like Doom Three is a good game; it's not a good Doom game, um, and I fear for me Doom Eternal when that's not all the way that Doom 3 went, but started going in that same sort of direction. Yeah. And it just wasn't as good as Doom 2016 for a start. And um, like obviously Doom, the original Doom, is still like one of the all-time greats for a reason. But yeah, no, Doom Eternal, it's a good game. It's not a, a sequel that improves on the original, which is... Usually unusual in gaming scenes. Unlike films, I think sequels generally pick up on what went wrong with a, a prior game and pick up on it. Um, like Assassin's Creed, I thought done a really good job of improving what the original idea was. 
Titanfall 2, you know, done it, you know, countless examples. But this, no, I thought it was a, a slight misstep overall, I think, but still a good game. Yeah, you've you've reminded me that um, one thing also that smoothed it out, and, and I probably would have even even worse uh, impressions of the early game if, if I hadn't done this, was take on board what people said to do. So I immediately turned off um, what are they called, like um, the hint system. And also the codex coming up whenever you get into a new area that explain everything that's going on, turn those off, completely pointless. You know, telling you that a monster's weak point is this great big thing that you know is a weak point. I mean, it's the most redundant crap. Yeah. You know, and I think that kind of, that sums up most of the kind of lore and stuff that they've put in this. It's redundancy, and it really yeah. doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And you just, you, wanna, know, you just wanna go through shooting Tories in the face. So, so oh, demons, that'd be so good. De- that'd be demons. So- I keep getting hellspawn demons and Tories mixed up. Sorry. <laughs> Understandable. (laughs) (laughs) Completely understandable. In fact, for Halloween, you could go as dressed as Margaret Thatcher, and then that would be the most evil and horrendous thing you could think of. But Mm. anyway, um, so yes, it's uh, it's got a a deep set of flaws that you can mitigate so that you can get to the main game, which is so in the face of Doom twenty sixteen, which was just like everybody loved, especially because the minute you start playing, you're having fun from minute one right through to the end. So, odd. What really worked with Doom 2016 was it done a genre flip really well. It kind of started and it set up as though it's going to be like any other first-person shoot. It's going to have a load of exposition at the start and it set it up to be that way. And then within, what, 30 seconds, it went, no, balls to that. Literally, the cabinet's done that point of no one cares push it to the side, smash it up, let's go shoot. Yeah. Um, and then this kind of, it's almost like it was different developers that they kind of went, oh, do you know what we did, what they did that first game? Yeah, let's not do that. Let's actually add that story bit, despite being praised for making the story bit needless and not, and just, you know, doing away with it. Um, because yeah, it, it still had all the trappings that it needed, but the added story just, no, not for me. Yeah, no, you're right. It completely inverts it. So for me, like I always bang the drum for environmental storytelling. And a good example of that is in 2016, where you would get like a line of dialogue that'd be like, oh, there's a key in such and such a uh, section of the facility and it needs to be switched on because there's damage. So you get like one paragraph, takes three seconds to read. So you go off and you'll go down a tunnel or a hall and then you'll reach this large area. Parts of it will be destroyed and there's an obvious point where there's a switch and demons will come in from a particular place. And all it's telling you, it's telling you everything that you need to know just by the way that it looks. It's a facility, it got overrun. This part of the the operation got shut down. You are now turning that part of the operation back on. And it just does it incredibly simply and you could probably even get away without any text whereas yeah. in in 20 in doom eternal everything kind of looks the same it just looks like you're in either hell or hell on earth so you have to have a lot of law and a lot of story because it's just like yeah this is like everything a fevered 13 year old who's just got into metal would think about so there's iron bars and torture devices and eviscerated demons and metal floors and and you know all this and none of it tells you a story it just tells you that you're in hell and it's like well yeah that's okay but 
you know, you're not really doing what you should be doing. Yeah, no, as I said, it's, it, it suffers from that same thing that I think Hitman Absolution suffers from, that some of the later Splinter Cells suffer from. They're good games. They're just not good games in their their series. Their fr- because yeah, of what in the, their franchise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I agree. And if it, you know, what they could have done, I don't know. I mean, they could have called it Hellspawn Shooter, whatever. I don't know, just something different and made a new IP, I suppose. And sure, it would have got maybe. Oh, it's, it's just ripping off Doom, but people would have gone, yeah. But it's it is ripping off Doom, but it's not Doom. It's its own thing. Just you know, we're just inspired by the mechanics. But I, 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 I don't know. Obviously, it still made them money. Yeah, I mean, I'd it's, it's sorry. Yeah, well, I was going to say it's nuts because the core gameplay is really good and very clever, mm. and it, you know, very sophisticated. It, it really does. It. it requires you to pay attention as well as also be good at shooters which is why i've put it on the easiest setting but even on the easiest setting it's still a a real challenge um yeah particularly because there is a lot of environmental traversal and even small enemies can kill you just by blocking you into a corner so it is very very clever in that it does make you keep moving and it's more of a even more of a kind of Robotron slash Smash TV kind of, you know, Total Carnage style game than Doom the first one was. Yeah. Uh, you know, of like, you're getting pinned in from different creatures of all, from all sides, each one of which did, requires a different type of behaviour to defeat it. So, yeah, it's very clever and very good. But just, it's like, okay, we're getting a steak and then wrapping that steak in a load of cotton padding. So you have to rip it all off before you get to the steak. Right, someone needs to explain to you how to eat steak, Stu, for a start. <laughs> so you that's should. where I've been going wrong. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't wrap it in cotton. That cotton. I know sometimes, like if you get nervous, you eat your t-shirts and stuff like that. But cotton generally isn't a good thing to have for a meal. <laughs> well, I feel like I've learned something on this podcast today, so that's good. Hey, we're, we're all about making sure people learn. Yeah. So to move on, actually, and it's a really interesting one to compare it to. I've been playing a few games, but the one I'm going to talk about most, actually the only one I'm going to talk about today, is Noita or Noita. I don't know how it's pronounced. No, nope, me neither. Um, <laughs> um, we'll go with Noita because it adds a bit of a je ne sais quoi to it. Ooh, yes, it does. For coming from me, everything sounds like it's from some common council estate anyway, because that's how my voice is. Um, <laughs> that's very harsh on yourself. It's all it's all very Del Boy. Um, but Noitar <laughs> yeah, tells an interesting story, and it but it does it in the way that Doom Eternal should be doing it, is it doesn't actually provide you with lots of lots of um story before you get into the game. Game boots up, there's a bit of text. Then you go to the title screen, do some settings, blah, 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 and then off you go. Um, with little environmental details telling you, um, I only found this out after about a fourth or fifth playthrough, but explaining that, hey, look, these are controls, and these are what these controls will help you do. But you kind of go in, and it's a um, like, it's almost like a spelunky in a way, but not spelunky. Like you, you did, you're going down. Um, to try and find a uh, like to try and get through to um, another level and then move on and stuff like that. And you by killing enemies, you earn coins which you can use to buy things to upgrade. Um, and it goes roguelike because it because it's a roguelike. 
age, you get some temporary upgrades, you get permanent upgrades, um, and you can unlock different weapons, Dead Cells style, that you can then change and load out in and go in. Um, very interesting game, plays really well. And I've still, I've still not worked out a good way to play it, whether I should go really slow um, and really be considered, or whether I go balls to the wall and just jump in and shoot and, and things like that. But what it does, the hook of Noita, is that every pixel in the game is simulated. Um, so every pixel literally means something, whether it's a bit of on the ground, whether it's like what looks like some scenery, everything can be manipulated in some in some way. And the first time this game just maybe just sit back, stop everything and just stare at it. I don't know why I haven't picked it up yet, but I do really want to play it. So I definitely will. Um, I think it's a lot of people's game of the year by the sounds of it. So I, that, that's a packed thing at the moment <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to talk about it at the moment i'll save it for later in the uh, for, for next week's podcast or a video but i've also been playing another game whose name i can't sure how to pronounce scourgebringer scourgebringer oh scourgebringer yeah yeah yes jesus man that is wow what that is spectacular Ooh. um it, it's it's again 2d roguelike platformer been there done that very much in the vein of dead cells but it's another one second i played it it just felt right it just felt right to play yeah and as though i knew what i was doing this is though someone put that control in my hand and i I said hey this is a game you play every week so you'll know what to do and that's how it felt and it's so satisfying so so satisfying and that's another one that's going up there to that game of the year discussion which is going to be about three weeks long to talk about all the indie possibilities. Yeah. I saw that uh, that has just gone up on uh, Game Pass today, by the way. Ah, then you, no one's got an excuse not to try that one out. Indeed. As has Katana Zero. Unless you've, which, yeah, unless you've only got um, a PlayStation or something like that, then you might need to consider actually buying it. But if you've got an Xbox or, or PC, you've got no excuse now. Yeah, absolutely. And just and to say, say Katana Zero as well. Katana Zero has just gone up. Yeah, both PC and console, and that's a cracking game. Yeah, that is really good. That was yeah. last year, though, wasn't it? Please tell me yeah, that was yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Because I don't want to add another one into the list that I'd forgot about. Well, Not that there's anything many. wrong with adding Katana Zero, because it is bloody good, but... Yeah, too many already, though. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's it from me this week. I say, where well, I've been... I was blinded at the weekend with a hemorrhage in my so for anyone who doesn't know i've got i'm i'm pretty much blind in my left eye at the moment so i've got a stretched retina and i'm waiting on an operation um, and i had a hemorrhage in my right eye um on thursday night yeah thursday of last week which meant i was pretty much blind um friday saturday sunday monday um and then my vision started really sort of coming back a bit still not perfect but it's it's better and i can see things again which helps also, one football while being blind, which was really good. I coached the team and beat, we beat the other team with a very late winner and my under-14s won with a blind coach. Um, so I am a good football coach. Either that or they're just good and I, I, I'm not actually needed, but we'll pretend I'm the good coach so I feel important. Yeah, you're, you're just coasting on their success. That's all it is. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so I've, I've not played much and everything's behind and I've got myself a backlog. 
which is which is really interesting because that's given me um, a bit of anxiety of um oh my god you know i'm gonna really upset the pr teams i'm gonna upset the publishers and stuff like that and that's the last thing i want to do but most of them have been nice about it which was good uh, you'd have to be a pretty horrible person to turn around and go what do you mean you're blind i'll get my game reviewed i don't care about your eyesight to be honest working in business i've, I've in the past i've been used to that it's like oh you're ill oh you lost a leg oh well where's you know, where's my documentation i worked in a call center when i broke my hip um playing football um i was in the hospital uh, my partner called up to say look he's not going to be in tomorrow he's in hospital in wigan well, I was, we was living in Liverpool and the call centre I worked in was in Kirby and I was in hospital in Wigan. Uh, broke his hip, he's not going to be in, he's not going to be in, we don't know, you know, operation, we don't know how it's going to be. All right, do you reckon he'll be back in this week at any point? <laughs> yeah. Oh? oh, okay, well he should be in. He's yeah. in hospital awaiting an operation with a broken hip. <laughs> it's like, all right, okay. Well, if you let us know when he will be in. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, Moving on, moving on, because it doesn't take a genius to work in a call centre. Even though I'm not putting it down because I worked in a call centre, it's bloody hard work, but it doesn't take a genius. And I just needed a way to, to segue into the next section. Did that work? Did it work? Yeah, I think you're, as I understand it in media, you can use anything, no matter how offensive, to, to get into a segue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm, I'm thinking, can I can I go over that line? I'm pretty sure I can, but I'm not going to try it. Um, in fact, it doesn't take a genius to feed kids. So feed the fucking kids. Anyway, I want to talk about genius today because I saw um, a couple of uh, videos talking about uh, what's happened with supposed geniuses the, these last few months and how they sound really idiotic all of a sudden. Um, and they're coming out with stupid conspiracy theories. And, you know, Elon Musk is, you know, in his field, he's an absolute genius, yet seemed like a complete idiot when it comes to the fight against uh, coronavirus. You know, other people who are experts in their field, um, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson has come out as a bit of a moron in certain things, which and he's, he's, you know, well-respected as a, uh, you know, a scientist and what he does. Um, fair play to David Attenborough, who's stuck to what he knows, by the way, and just goes like, this is what I know. And so I, this is what <laughs> I will tell you about. Fair play. Yeah, man, stay in your lane. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, David Attenborough can do what the hell he wants, in all fairness, but... He's realised that, yeah, do you know what? I might not be an expert at pseudoscience and an actual uh, bio, you know, bio quantum molecular level. So I'll let the experts deal with that. Yeah, exactly. I'll talk about I'll talk about how we're destroying the planet and de- endangering the world's wildlife. Anyway, genius. Uh, I always used to look at people um, who had done well in a single field and were labelled as genius. And then get myself down because I wasn't as good at many things. I, I, I was never um, the best graphic designer, despite learning to do that. I'm, I'm not the best at um, coherent 
delivery of speech shock horror I, i've got a good comprehension of maths and logic but put me up against someone else who studies it not a chance so i, I i've managed to become sort of someone who's very competent at lots of things rather than exceptional at any one thing and that really got me down that really made me hate myself and hate who i was that i was never exceptional at one thing because we hold geniuses up on a pedestal um, and we revere them in ways that I think is unhealthy. And it's something I noticed um, that, do you know when you watch um, quiz shows, like something like The Chase, for example, and you you watch it and they'll get someone on who's an astrophysicist or whatever, or, you know, they're, they're like a doctor. You go, oh, these would be good at what they're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, they'll get maybe like two questions right because they're so laser focused on what their knowledge is and they are absolute genius at that and being able to convey that. That the second you take them out of their wheelhouse, they go, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whereas Sandra, who's spent a lot of her time you know watching quiz shows and you know she's just got a nine to five job just trying to make ends meet actually does much better at them because she has a broader knowledge of more things not as good as any one person knows any one particular thing but just has that broader knowledge and generally does quite well at, at it in comparison and it was watching that and i started seeing okay is it just me you know is it, is it just me but i think what these last definitely six months at least have shown us is that the people we do revere and the people we hold up as examples of this is what you need to become boy are they misrepresentative of what a genius actually is yeah yeah you have specializations but that shouldn't stop you being you know intelligent in other areas no 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 but i think you're right i think um sometimes when you do specialize it, it does blind you to other things going on in the world and I think I don't know I think what upsets me is that there's a lack of embracing you know the variety of knowledge and it's it's exemplified by the way journalists approach people and then mock them so journalists Mm. tend to be of the not genius category so they have a wide range of knowledge rather than uh, an in-depth level of knowledge and they're very good at uh, English. <laughs> so uh, I wanted me, to be a me good English. Yeah, me, me good do English. <laughs> yeah, so I <laughs> I wanted to be part of that tribe when I was a kid. I wanted to when I was growing up I wanted to be a journalist. So you know, I don't really have a my only specialization my really is is in English, you know. It's I'm I'm decent at writing and editing and you know anything else in the world i'm pretty crap at <laughs> the only reason i'm in it is because i enjoy it so i like persevere even though i'm not very good so uh any potential employers out there that was a lie i was just saying that as part of <laughs> just as part of the podcast bullshit really i ace everything anyway but yeah no journalists are very much in in a in a kingmaker role where they can uh you know boost one signal and and weaken another and I think that the the Tories, <laughs> just to get onto them again, a few years ago saying that the people were sick of experts, I think has been part of the gradual sort of decline in seeing intelligence and general knowledge as, as a valued commodity, um, mm. but then relying on experts when they need them. 
And again, that's just commodifying intelligence. Yeah, oh, and again, but what I think we've done with the reverence of um, certain, I suppose they're still celebrities, and it's it's mainly the, the the so-called geniuses that have turned celebrity that become that become the issue with their idea that because they're a genius in one subject, they should be um, listened to on other subjects. That becomes the issue. Now, don't get me wrong, if I'm sitting here and I'm going, oh, do you know what? I really need help getting my sound balancing right on the podcast or my audio and stuff like that. And I'm sitting there and I've got um, David Attenborough sat to my one side and Kanye West sat to the other. I'm going to ask Kanye West about sound because he knows what he's doing with that. He knows what sounds good. Um, But... I'm not going to turn around and go. So what I actually need to work out is, you know, what are the inherent causes of why animals in this particular area are thriving, but the same species in this area are on a massive decline. I'm not going to ask Kanye that because he might be a genius when it comes to lyrics and and sound. He's not a genius when it comes to the preservation of natural life. Um, So... It's knowing who to ask and when to ask. And it's one of the reasons it's, we've always done it. It's always this. I think we, we try and put people on show and make them out. It's like poor people and quote unquote stupid people are the new um, freak shows. Um, so the Vox Pops that you see um, on magazine shows and more increasingly more in news, in news shows now because news is a show rather than just a delivery of information anyway but they go out and they have these really high political questions and they ask you can tell they're targeting the people who wouldn't have a clue you're targeting like someone who who's just come out of primark for example with kids hanging off of them and uh three four bags of of cheap clothes from primark you know possibly a happy meal hanging off the trolley because they've been ragged around and ask them something about the how the way the country should be run and then they've got to give an opinion because they've had a microphone shoved in their face and they've got to know it they don't know the ins and outs of political dealings and how it should all work and what effect it should have you need to actually speak to an expert in those fields. You need to speak to, you know, when we talk about Brexit, for example, you know, you need to listen to, you know, um, uh, economical people who know how the economy is going to be affected. They've studied this for their entire life. When you're told to ignore those people over this, and then everyone goes, well, you know, they've said that, so who cares what they say? I, I know what I'm talking about. You know, it's the jobs. It's the jobs. We've got to make sure the jobs go to British people and our Europe, you know, making all these stupid rules and blah, blah, blah. And, and I think they're just repeating stuff that they've been told from non-experts. And the second, an, an actual expert tries to speak about it, they're very dismissive because they've been told that whole, they don't count. Yeah, now we lay out, I don't know, some moronic ex-football manager who was considered a bit good and a bit of a genius at what he did at one point uh, because he kept a no-mark club up in the Premier League for an extra season or whatever. He spews out a load of anti-European bullshit and all of a sudden he's, because he's an expert in this, they trust him more than some no-named actual expert um, and it's, I don't think it's the rise of genius. I think it's the rise of the genius celebrity. Um, as I said, if you, if you look at um, um, Elon Musk, for example, 
the guy clearly only has one field that he's exceptionally knowledgeable in. Beyond that, the guy's a complete and utter fool. A complete and utter fool. Yet he's still being listened to. The second he denied that um coronavirus was an actual thing and was guy that you know going down that hoax lane anything he says should lose any credibility uh when all the science guys the proper science guys are turning around and going look no this this is what we need to do to fix it this is what we need to do because do you know what genius actually means so basically it comes from the latin i might butcher this a little bit um because i am not a genius when it comes to ancient latin but basically what it meant was genius was your vocation. So it's from a different word, but it's like, I think like geni or something like that, but it comes from that. So basically you would be a builder, you would be an academic, et cetera. And that, that would be your genu, geni, whatever the Latin was. Someone feel free to comment and explain exactly what that was. But it was basically your vocation. It didn't mean you was exceptional at that. So if someone was, they looked at them and they hit adolescence and they were strong, then they was put into physical labour and that was their genii. I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word genius because I know I'm butchering the Latin. That was their genius. So they went and done that. If someone showed um, an aptitude towards academia, then that was their genius and they went towards that. And that's what it was. It was just your vocation. It didn't matter how good you were at that thing. It was just what your vocation. And that's how it worked in ancient Greece. And it was only sort of like really modern that we started putting that towards using genius as an overall term of brilliance. But what we started to do was when people started getting better and better at what their vocation was, they stood above everyone else. And we started to then take the word genius I mean as being exceptional at something. And it's basically been bastardised from that um, to sort of be a catch-all for if someone's good at one thing, then it must mean they're good at something else. Lionel Messi is an absolute genius on a football pitch, but he doesn't know how to handle his bloody finances. Um, you know, and it's but that's his vocation. Yeah. And he's really, really, really good at it. But we don't need to hold him up as someone who can tell us what we need to do politically or how to sort of like how your family should be coping because he doesn't live in that same world as the rest of us and it's it's, it's trying to get over that and once you realize that if you look at genius in the old sense which is someone's vocation you actually start to feel a lot better about yourself because you're not holding yourself to an impossible standard that you'll never hope to reach and it will have a much more positive effect on your mental health, I think, once you start to realise what the limitations are and that 99.9% .9 of the world has those limitations in most fields. Yeah, and it's that, yeah, I agree. And it's that thing of valuing people for what they enjoy and what they're good at um, instead of... So, I mean, there's a very, a very modern trend in the West to, you know, devalue the arts and and philosophy as well you know and, and just see only stuff that produces things and that you know has a product and end product um that's utilitarian as being of any value you know um so yeah we need to get away from that and but back to valuing uh everybody's talents really but yeah no that's that's um really the show uh, look up to the good people they don't have to be brilliant at everything but look to the good people um, and let, yeah. let's let's give them more of a platform, um, and then maybe we'll have some hope for the future. I agree. So, as usual, 
if you like what we do, please like and subscribe via YouTube, Twitch, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, you know, um, so you get all, all what we do. Um, you can support us on Patreon and uh, Coffee. And if you do need to talk about anything, anything at all, whether it's mental health related, um, any other general life worries, or even just to chat about video games, TV, books, movies, whatever, check out the Discord. Um, links are all in the description. Um, everyone there is very welcoming, and you are more than welcome to come and join us. Um, but just to sign off, I've been joined by Stu. I've been Bradley. Take care and fuck the Tories. <laughs> <laughs>